Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Pretty hard right out the gate, but you know what? We got to be challenged up. It's going to require more. I'm going to read you a couple of scriptures just real quick. It's not on the screen. We got going on here. We got a green screen of death. We're good? Okay. All right. All right. Joel chapter 2 and verse 12 says this Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Joel 2.25 says this. The Lord says, I will give you back what you have lost. Now listen. We are in a series called The Church, and the church is all about equipping you to become everything that God has called you to become. Like, listen, the idea is for you to come and be encouraged up, challenged up to learn up, right? And then take what it is that you learn immediately and start incorporating it into your life, into your workplace, come on, into your family life, like... Like when you hear that God wants something different from you, how many of you know that obedience is better than sacrifice? I got a chance to talk to Raymond just for a second. I'm like, listen, man, thank you for being obedient and being and being baptized here today. And life is going to be filled with all kinds of opportunities where God says, listen, I want you to do this. And sometimes that might be the hard thing. But the hard thing is the best thing if God's calling you to do it. And so be obedient. So many people have lost some things. And and I believe this, that God is fixing to return some things that have been lost over these last, you know, two years or at least the last year and a half. And I want to encourage you to draw close to the Lord. This scripture here says, listen. He says, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Like, listen, this year, I'm going to pull out different things that I'm going to use as challenges. I want to encourage you to be a person that, that fasts on a regular basis. Fasting is super, super important. And there's so many different kinds of fasts. A Daniel fast. You know, you could do a partial fast where you just do a little bit of food. You can, you can, you know, you can, you can fast for a short period of time, like a couple of meals. You can fast for a long period of time, you know, 14 to 40 days. You can do it. I'm not, I'm not joking you. Who, who left? I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. I'm telling you that in the Bible, fasting for 14 to 40 days, it took place all the time. And there are people that do it all the time today. It's where you don't eat food, but you, you know, you figure out different ways to maybe get some nutrition, you know what I mean, in your body. But I'm telling you this, that listen, a diet will help how you look externally, physically, right? When you begin to eat properly, people are going, to, are going to recognize, wow, there's been some significant changes in that person. But let me tell you this, fasting affects the way that you see. And the issues that we're dealing with in our world today, I believe wholeheartedly has a lot to do with us not being able to see what the Spirit of God is doing and hear what the Spirit of God is saying. 
And I'm just saying this, that when, when God created the fast, the expectation was is that people would do it. And Christians would do it. And do it on somewhat of a, of a regular basis. Amen? And it's, it's for spiritual reasons. It's not for any other, any other reason. So that's your challenge. And start incorporating fasting. Even if you start small, start incorporating it this year. All right, our key scripture here is in the book of Matthew. It says this, I will build my church and the gates of hell or the gates of Hades will not overcome it. We talked about last week how a well-built church is not easily overcome, right? And listen, I'm telling you that if you are a well-built church, a person, right, then the attacks that the enemy brings against you, come on, you're not going to be easily overcome. And how many of you know that this year we need to be stronger than we were last year, right? And so I want to share with you, and and it's going to kind of go throughout this whole series, what I feel the church should look like. When we're talking about the church we, we can get a lot of ideas on what, on what the, the, the church is supposed to look like by scripture, but also you should ask yourself, what kind of church do I want to be a part of, right? What kind of church do you want to be a part of? Come on, I want to be a part of a church that is all about relationship with Jesus Come on, where I'm getting to know him more and more every single day, every single year, right? I don't want to be a part of a church that's, 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 that's messed up with powerless religion. And how many of you know there's a lot of churches that are all about powerless religion? It's all about the rules and the regulations, and, and there's no life, and there's no power. This is some, sometimes, you know, I hear this. Actually, I've heard it quite a lot over the past 11 years or so that we've been here. Wow. I came to Grace Church, and I've never been to a church like that before. Why? Because it's so different. Like, you guys really have good-sounding music, and it seems like people are really engaged in, in their worship. And, and wow, you know what I mean? The message, it really made sense, and, and it felt like you were speaking just to me. Like, I was the only person in the, thank you so much. Everybody else should join her. All right. Matter of fact, let's start something new. You hear one clap, everybody claps. All right, that'll make me feel like I'm doing really well. All right. Nonetheless, God's word is going out. So I want people in relationship with God. I want people, I want to do life with people that are excited about God. I don't want to, I don't want to, I'm not, I mean, I'll do it, but I'm not really excited about being hooked up with people that aren't excited about the things of God. Amen. I'd rather surround myself with people that have a little bit of excitement. I want to see a church that's empowered, right? I want to see a church that when somebody is hurting in the church, you don't call somebody else to pray for them or to witness to them or to share with them. You yourself take the responsibility. You know what? I am equipped. I have a Bible. I'm going to walk with this this person. Come on to help them. You know what I mean? Get the answers that they're wanting to get. You know what that's called? Discipleship. Personal discipleship. And the pastor of the church doesn't have to disciple every single person in the church. Right? I want to see a church where people feel empowered. 
I want you to know this, that we believe in the priesthood of every believer. Like you can do what I do, right? You, you, you have the spirit of the living God inside of you. When you speak, even if it's not with eloquent words, I am the least person that speaks eloquently. In fact, I get corrected all the time. Hey, pastor, these two words are not supposed to go together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a slow learner. You know, I will frustrate an English major, right? All right. But I want to see a church that's empowered. I want to see a church and be a part of a church on mission. I want to be a part of a church that's intentional. I want to be a part of a church that's effective, making a difference in the people that, that call that church home and the community in which that church is, is positioned, right? And you know what we're going to talk about today? We're going to talk about passion. I want to be a part of a church that is passionate about God, passionate about the things of God, passionate about what God is doing in the world today and what he wants to do. So today, the title of my message is this, bam, I want my church to be a passionate church. I don't know about you, but this is the church that I want. This is the church that I want. And if you're like, and if you're like, like, you mean it's going to get more passionate than what it is? I sure hope so. And if that's scary to you, there's a lot of other churches that are a little bit less scary, right? But I'm just telling you, that's what I want, man. I believe that it requires that. The day that we live in, it requires that. It's requiring more. We got to be passionate about the things of God. Now's not the time to, to shrink back. You know, it's interesting. And Jesus prophesied. He says, listen, there's going to be a generation that loses their, their passion, that, that has lost their passion. In fact, it's found right here. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You know what this is saying? There's going to be a generation where people show up to church because it's the expected thing to do. They were raised that, you know what? You go to church, but guess what? They don't like it. You know what I mean? The Bible says, I was happy. I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord, right? Boy, we, we got to wake up this morning. Somebody, I, coffee shop. Free coffee to every single person in here this morning. I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. See, some of us, some of us, kind of how we're acting is, man, I was sad or I was okay when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. I'm telling you, Jesus prophesied, there is going to be a generation of people that honor me with their lips, but their hearts are not, they're not close to me. They don't even know me. Oh, they do their devotion, and they, and they share it on Facebook so everybody can see they've been reading their Bible. But guess what? They're not enjoying it. They're not really learning anything. And that devotion isn't moving them to take action, any more action than what it is that they, they kind of do. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just saying, listen, man, we got to be a passionate people. And passion, come on, it requires movement. It requires movement. Amen. Romans chapter 12, 11. You don't have it up here, but I want to just go ahead and pay attention. Mark this down. You can check it out later. It says this, never be lacking in zeal, 
but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Like, listen, it's your responsibility to stir yourself up. Well, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of burning out because pastor's preaching really hasn't been that good lately. And I told that worship leader, I really didn't like them songs he was doing. And you know what I mean? I would be, I would be so much stronger in my walk and my relationship with God if they would just bring back more of the hymns. Come on, I thought for sure that would get some involvement, right? But I'm telling you this, it doesn't matter what songs are being sung, and it really doesn't even matter. I better be preaching the word, but it doesn't matter how good of a job I do. It's your responsibility, come on, to stir yourself up. Come on, it's, it's your response, not my responsibility. Now, you're lucky because I take a lot of responsibility. I figure, man, if I'm going to be sharing the word, I'm going to be excited about it. I'm grateful that our pastors are the same. Pastor Javi, that guy is passionate about sharing, come on, the, the, the word of God, the kingdom of God. Amen? I'm excited about Pastor Bo. He's going to be speaking here in the next couple of, couple of weeks coming up. Every single person that shares from this platform, whether it be on a Sunday uh, or, a, or a Wednesday or back in children's church, you want to see some passion Go back in children's church when Adam and Brandon Cook are teaching those kids. Passion. Super excited about the things of God. I want you to know this, that you got to stir yourself up because there's work that needs to be done today that requires you, come on, to be on point in the area of passion, right? Jesus, Jesus was passionate, it's interesting, some of the pictures that we see about Jesus is he's all like, just like sad, like always just sad. And they, some of the pictures of Jesus, they really just portray him as being just weak, just a weak, weak person. He wasn't a weak person. Come on, he was a strong person, right? He was passionate too. Do you know this? That the kids flocked to him, kids loved him. It reminds me, we went on a, on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic a little over a year ago. And Dr. Z, how many of you know Dr. Z, the eye doctor? He went with us and he was doing eye tests and, and things like that. And, and man, we gave away so many hundreds of pairs of glasses and, and did glaucoma tests and, and just all kinds of really, really cool things while we were over there. But I'm telling you what, I don't know how old Dr. Z is, but he, 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 he's got the body of an older gentleman. He's really fit, but he's got the body of an older gentleman. And he's got the passion of a youth. Do you know this? That I'm telling you, kids, right off the bat from day one, man, they swarmed him. They swarmed him. He had candy in his pockets. He, he had gifts that he always had with him that he was giving away. And you know what? Good news travels really, really fast. It's like, hey, we don't know who that guy is, but he has something for you. Next thing you know, he is swarmed with kids. This is what Jesus was like. Like, you don't get weak, sad Jesus that is attractive to a bunch of kids, right? Jesus had candy in his robe. I guarantee it. That sounds funny. Maybe he didn't have candy in his robe. But I'm telling you why, he was passionate, and people don't like to talk about this passage of Scripture, but in the book of John, it says this, in the temple area, 
He saw merchants that were selling cattle and sheep and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at the tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and he chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and the cattle. He scattered the money changers and coins, you know, flew everywhere all over the floor. And he turned over the tables, then going over to the people who sold doves. Come on, he told them, get these things out of, the, out of here. Stop turning my, my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy, and this prophecy was out of the book of Psalms, right? Remember this prophecy from the scriptures, passion for the house will consume me. Passion for the house will consume me, right? And so I want you to know this, that Jesus, he literally wove together a cord and ran these people out of this place. Why? Because he had a passion for the house of the Lord, Let me ask you a question just real quick. And you've got to evaluate yourself. Don't evaluate your neighbor. Don't evaluate your husband or your wife. Evaluate yourself. What is your passion level for the house of the Lord? Come on, is it a priority or is it a convenience? Is it necessary or is it just something that's good whenever? And I'm just telling you this. Like, I'm not putting on anybody. I'm not sitting in judgment. I'm not looking at anybody. But you need to look at yourself. And, 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 and you need to ask yourself, what is my passion, my zeal for the house of the Lord? What's it been like? So there's four areas of passion in Scripture that are talked about an awful lot. And I'm just going to break these things down for you. And then we're going to, we're going to sing a song and we're going to give money and we're going to leave and go eat an incredible dinner. Right? Amen. How many of you want to eat some good food today? All right. It's good. Are you ready? Four things that the Bible talks about a lot in the area of passion. Number one, it's important that we have a passion for prayer. And I'm just saying this that most churches, including our church, is very lacking in this area. As a corporate body, I'm not saying you as an individual, but I think it's so interesting when we call for a prayer meeting, how many people show up in, 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 in representation of how many people call Grace Church their home church. And maybe it's because prayer, come on, it has been sold to you as being boring. Prayer is not boring. In fact, most of us, we are just taught that prayer is like this. In fact, the most popular prayer that people will, will, will be able to recite in, in history in the United States is, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That's a prayer that everybody knows. And it's the most boring prayer. In fact, I don't know why, but I don't know why, but even when we pray, it's like it's like people have this, this is what prayer is supposed to look like. And it starts out here and then it ends here. <laughs> Prayer is not like that in the Bible. Why have we adopted prayer to be like this? 
Who wants to be a part of that? Let's go meet at 6 a.m. in the morning, which we should, right? And, 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 and let's, not, let's not get excited about anything, right? Come on, let's, let's treat it like our world doesn't have any issues, any problems. Everything is just great. Thank you, Jesus. Being really quiet. You know, don't mess up my space. Man, that person over there is getting a little bit loud, don't they? Hasn't anybody told them that prayer is supposed to be somber and it's supposed to be quiet, right? I'm telling you what. Come on, I, I believe that we are missing it in the area of, of, of prayer, and I'm just challenging you up. You're going to have to ask yourself. I'm not, I'm not telling you you're a good prayer or you're not a good prayer. I'm asking you to ask yourself, what is my passion in prayer life like? From one to ten, what's the number? What's the number? Don't say it out loud, but what's the number? You ask yourself, my prayer life is a number. This lower number is weak or non-existent, and this high number is, is passionate and powerful and extraordinary. Amen? In the book of Acts, the Bible says that they raised their voices together in prayer. And the place that they were gathered was shaken. This is when they were in the upper room. It wasn't like, will you tell her to keep it down over there just a little bit? She's disturbing me. How many of you have fallen asleep in praying? Be honest. I have. Oh, oh, geez, must have been really good. The Lord just put me out for a second. James chapter 5, 16, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The antithesis of this is that if, if it's not fervent, then it's not effective. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, it, man, it does big things. But if it's not fervent, then it's really not it's not really accomplishing that much. I remember growing up in, 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 a, in a church. And uh, have you ever been a part of a circle prayer? Circle prayers, anybody? Anybody? Am I the only one? If you know what a circle prayer is, raise your hand right now. Okay, for a lot of you that don't know what circle prayer is, it's where the teacher or whoever's leading, like they, they literally... Guys, stand up just real quick. We're going to have circle prayer. Come on. Come on. Real quick. <laughs> circle prayer. We're in a circle. This is why they call it circle prayer. I'm going to start. Lord, we thank you for today. Ba, 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 ba. And then I squeeze Tina's hand, and she knows, okay, now it's your turn. You go. And you pray. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> Jesus' name. And then she's done. She squeezes Javi's hand, and then he prays. And then he's done, and he squeezes Davina's hand, and then she prays. And I'm just telling you this. If you're in a circle prayer, be the first couple ones to, to pray, because all the good stuff to pray about is going to get chewed up really quick. You don't want to be the last person. And then everybody's judging you like, boy, she doesn't pray, does she? She just really, she just really, no, it's not that she doesn't pray. It's just that everything on the whole planet has been prayed for at this time. 
And then, oh, by the way, I'm going to give you something to utilize if you happen to be, come on, later on down the road and you don't know what to pray because the person, you know, God just moved on your heart. Yeah, you're like, yeah, man, that's what. And then the person right before you prayed the very same thing. When you get your hand squeezed, you automatically squeeze the next person. So they think that, oh, it's my turn already. And it just jumps right over. It just jumps right over you. Try it. It'll work. I promise you. I'm telling you this morning that you learn to pray by being a person of prayer. Sometimes people don't want to pray out loud. Why? Because they don't pray. They don't know what to pray. And they're worried more about what, is, what are people going to look at me? How are they going to view me? Than actually just taking their requests before the Lord, not worrying about, not being prideful, getting rid of pride and, and all of that stuff and just saying, listen, even if it's foolish, I know that my God is able to hear me and he knows my heart, even if it's not with eloquent words. Amen? Number two is this. Passion for praise and worship. Passion for praise and worship. Some of you know this, but when we moved here 11, 12 years ago, um, I led worship. I led worship with my guitar and, and just my voice and the six chords that I knew on my guitar. And I'm telling you, it was rough. It was rough in a lot of different ways. Number one, my fingers always hurt because I hadn't been playing the guitar very long. It was also rough because leading people in worship, uh, I'm going to be real careful, like what I was desiring was not always what I was getting from people out, out in the congregation. Like I was wanting, listen, let's not just let this be my voice, but let's let this be our voice collectively together. In fact, I would ask people, guys, please don't leave me up here by myself, right? And it was me and Brandon Gee. And Brandon was so afraid to be in front of people, he had to wear his sunglasses. I'm like, dude, really? You got to wear sunglasses on stage? It makes me feel like I'm like they can't see me, you know? And so he literally would wear his sunglasses on Sunday morning. Right, Brandon? There you are. I see you. And it was him and I, and I was so glad to, I was glad to have him. But I'm just telling you that when you're, when you, let me just say it like this. Are you, are you okay with me just making an observation? I'm going to make an observation. And then I'm going to give you a challenge. And then you're going to judge yourself. I'm not judging you. You're going to judge yourself and then we're going to move on. Fair? The observation is this. Everybody in this community belongs to some sort of a church. There's a lot of religion in this area. A lot of religiosity, Right? And this is the problem in religious areas is the training that you received, whatever your background, even if it was just like little background or big background, the training that you received about what worship is supposed to be like is how you act whenever we begin to worship. And it still shows itself, you know what I mean, today. I came in here this morning, second song, the song that we baptize everybody with. 
It was just practice. I was sitting about where David Repke was, and I couldn't do anything. I'm working on my message, final touches on my message. I couldn't do anything, but just I stopped what I was doing, and I just began to lift my hands and just praise the Lord. Nobody's here. They're just practicing. But I'm just like, man, the power of God is in this place. And, and I just began to worship. So this is, this is the observation. A lot of religion in this area and a lot of religion that doesn't teach people how to effectively worship. And so we think, we think that, this is, that this is worship. We think that our, foot is, our foot's getting saved. You know what I'm saying? Like our foot's excited. But I'm just telling you this, that, that, that a lot of the way that we worship in this community is not biblical worship. Well, pastor, you're just being a little pushy, aren't you? I'm telling you what, I'm responsible for how it is that I lead this church, and I'm telling you, stuff's changing. If people, are gonna, if people choose that, wow, that's just a tough approach, listen, I am committed to teach people what the original church looked like and, and, and challenge people to become what God's intention for the church is supposed to look like. And I'm telling you what, you can tell what somebody's excited about by what it is that they talk about and the look on their face and the expression in their body. Some of you guys love fishing and you start telling a fish story and then all of a sudden, man, you're in it. We were there. Woo, woo, the, the hunt. I, I glassed him across the, and then we were like, I put mud on my face and crawled and we got, I jumped up, pop, dead. So excited. So excited. A football game. UFC fight, boxing match, basketball game, MLB baseball. Come on, you, the passion that comes out of your mouth and the expression from your body shows you what you're excited about. And then we come, we give, we give 20-year-old kids that don't even care about us. They don't even know you. That have a professional uniform or a college uniform on their body. We give them the highest praise, but yet the one that's created you, you come in here. Praise God. Right? I want to be a church that's passionate about worship. Now you got to ask yourself. I'm not judging anybody. But you ask you. Don't ask your wife. Don't value, evaluate your wife. Don't evaluate your husband. Don't evaluate the person on the other side of the room. One to ten. One being zero worship. Man, I, I don't even like music. That song just doesn't even do anything for me. I just don't feel it. We don't, we don't worship because we feel. We worship because of who he is. Amen? Boy, that person, she's just, she, can never, she can never hit that note. And that just irritates me. It just bugs me. Right? Quit paying attention to all that stuff. And worship God. So zero or one being zero worship 
and 10 being high praise, where are you seriously on that scale? Where are you at? I got so excited I lost my place. But I don't need it. Right? Where are you at? Where's your praise? Where's your worship? Well, I just wasn't raised that way. I don't care. You are worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I promise you, 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 when you are standing in the presence of God Almighty, which I hope you will get that, you will get that privilege. But I'm just saying, I hope it's a joyful time and not a time where it's like, oh man, I really should have served the Lord. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling you, there's every ounce in whatever being you have when you're standing in front of, of God. Every ounce is just going to worship him. And you're not going to care one iota about anything else but him in front of you. Why don't we learn that now? Why don't we do that now? We got to be all proper. Come on, do I preach proper? No, I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Why? Because it's Father's Day. And I, it's my day. My wife looked at me, really? I'm like, yeah, really. It's my day. Don't judge me. <laughs> One of the people that I love in the Bible is King David. He was messed up, but he was passionate about the Lord. He was passionate about the presence of God. And there was one thing that represented the presence of God, and that was the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was stolen. And David went out, and, and they retrieved the Ark of the Covenant. And he was so happy about the presence of God, this messed up individual that had made so many poor mistakes but loved the presence of God so much that when he was eight miles away from Jerusalem, he was walking the Ark of the Covenant back. Eight miles. Somebody say eight miles. Eight miles. Every six steps. Somebody say six steps. I think six is the, is the number of man. This is just kind of coming to me. I think it's interesting. Not only did he sacrifice an animal, but I believe there was representation where he was sacrificing the flesh in and through worship. Every six steps, that's 14,000 steps. That's 2,347 sacrifices from where he got the Ark of the Covenant back till they were in the, the place of Jerusalem where, where, where that Ark of the Covenant would, would reside. This is how much he was passionate about worship and how much he was passionate about the presence of God. Amen? Every six steps, they would stop, praise the Lord, kill an animal as a sacrifice unto the Lord, and then they would move on. Six more steps, kill an animal, worship God. And then move on and do the same thing. 2,347 sacrifices. Can you imagine? Why? Because this guy loved the presence of the Lord. And this was an incredible celebration. It's time to take your worship up. There's a, uh, I love this. Um, I think it's over in the Jacksonville area. Uh, maybe even the Camp Lejeune area. But, but there's a sign that They've got a lot of, uh, it's a military base, and they've got a lot of planes that are taking off, and, 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 and it causes a lot of ruckus and, and, and super loud, and it's right by the freeway, and there's a billboard that says, pardon us, you know, we're sorry, basically it says, you know, part, 
pardon the noise or, or we're sorry about the noise, but it also gives an explanation. It says this, it's the sound of freedom. And I'm telling you what, that you can tell people that are super, you know, they're, they're incredible worshipers because they have not forgotten what it is that God has done. The freedom that God has given to them. Come on, and all they can do is, 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 is be passionate in their worship. Third thing is this, passion for purity. A passion for purity. I'm not asking you to be perfect, but I am asking you to fall in love with purity. The Bible says to hate that which is evil and cling to that which is good. Amen? I'm telling you what, we live in a time where the church is being mocked more than it's ever been in my lifetime. We live in a time where people are completely disregarding what it is that God says that, you know, the Ten Commandments are being removed. People are thinking it's a weak man's religion. It's foolishness. It's being, God's name is being dragged through, dragged through the mud. And all I'm saying is this, that come on, let our church, let's not worry about the church down the road, but let's let our church be a church that stands up for purity and stands up for righteousness, Right? Like, listen, there are people, right? You guys heard about the whole cake thing. And there's all kinds of stories about that where people are being persecuted because of their religious beliefs, because of them standing up for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, it's going to get worse. And I'm telling you also, let's be a people I mean, I've already committed that if I've got to go to jail for the gospel, take me to jail. I'm going. But listen, our whole church has to make that decision. When times get tough, am I going to shrink back? Or am I just going to be a voice of reason and a voice of truth and a voice of love? Regardless of what happens. you got to make that decision. Come on, are we going to stop serving the Lord when times get tough? Or are we going to press in anymore? I told Raymond this morning, I was looking at him, I said, listen, man, God's calling you to be a warrior. I'm telling you, we live in a day and a time where God needs warriors. He needs men to stand up for righteousness. Don't be somebody that shrinks back whenever, you know what I mean, when, you're, when, when times are tough or you're, you're around a different, a different group of people, right? I'm telling you what, there's a passion, there's a story, and I'm just going to fast forward. I'm just going to hit it because of my time is short. But there's a story in the Bible where people, like two people, a bunch of people are doing this, but two people are caught. We got any young, young people in here? They, they were caught doing stuff in the church. I want you to think about what stuff is. Like the stuff. In the building. This is like better than the finest drama on TV. You could read your Bible. This is in the book of Numbers. They're doing the stuff, mocking God, making a mockery of God in the house of the Lord. Okay? Numbers chapter 25 and verse 11. A man by the name of Phineas drove a spear through both of them while they were doing the stuff. Read this in your Bible. Phineas... And, and this is the thing, because God's people were messing around with the prophetesses of Baal and Asherah and all these other false goddess worshipers, and they would enter into these relationships, sexual relationships with these, with these servants of these false gods, 
God was very, very angry, very angry, and he was getting ready to pass judgment on the people. But because Phineas got up and he drove a spear through these two people, this is what Numbers chapter 25 and verse 11 says. It says, Phineas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned my anger away from the Israelites since he was as zealous for my honor among them as I am. He was like, listen, this craziness is not going to continue to happen in the house of the Lord. There has to be a time, come on, where people stand up for righteousness and stand up for purity. And, and you don't want to get it wrong. You don't want to just get out there by yourself. And sometimes we have a, ha a hard time standing up for purity and righteousness because we know our own sins, right? But listen, you can be forgiven of your sin, take your sin to the cross of Jesus Christ, buried at the cross, get that baby under the blood of Jesus. Man, you are the righteousness of God, and now you're in a place, in a position, come on, to help somebody else with their sin out, right? You don't have to be perfect to have a voice. In fact, I would just challenge you, let's not be an echo Let's not just do what everybody else is doing. Let's not just say what, what people that have no covenant relationship with God are saying. Let's be a voice of truth, love, and reason. Amen? Good place to say amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. All right. Number four, and this is where we're closing. Number four is this. We must be a church that has a passion for people. Like, we didn't build this church just to have a place where we can worship on Sunday mornings. Amen. We would just be missing it. But I'm telling you what, we got to be passionate about one another. We got to be passionate about getting together a little bit more, checking in, come on, doing life together, building community. Amen. The first church for a period of time, everybody sold. I'm not telling you to do this, but everybody sold what they had and they entered into into literally a community and and what was needed you know for one they would just divvy it up and make sure that everybody's needs were were met i'm not calling us to that but listen let's do life even better let's not do life alone moving forward i'm just telling you that as a church as grace church we're going to be less focused on our own needs and more focused on the needs of people that are around us amen Amen. I'm telling you what, crazy ministries are just starting up. We are now in the roofing business. Never been in the roofing business before. But we're going to, we're, we're right now working with a young man that, that uh, you know, that's going to replace a, a, a lady's roof um, in our community. Doesn't go to church. I don't think she goes to any church. Um, but she needs a new roof. And so guess what? Grace Church is going to, is going to pay for that roof. And, and, and... The roofing company, and you'll hear more about this because I'm going to bring him in here, but uh, the roofing company, they're going to do the work as a, as, a, as a gift unto the Lord. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and that's, that's cool, right? So when I take the special offering for the roof to get paid for, be as excited as you were, just, just like right now. And then all of a sudden, out, out of that, out of that, there's another roof opportunity that you're going to hear more about, whether it's this year or next year. 
But Sean Rogers, God moved on his heart and said, hey, listen, what's that place called, Sean? It's a homeless shelter in Rupert. Big two-story building. Nobody wants to touch it. We hope we can find somebody to touch it. Maybe, maybe this guy that's going to be doing this first roof and, and we'll pay him to, to do it. I believe he'll treat us right. Thank you, Jesus, for treating us right. But we're going to buy the material at some point and we're going to do another roof. Why? Because it needs to be done. It needs to be done. So Grace Church is going to, is going to, is going to take the responsibility and God's bringing somebody, we don't know who it is, but knows something about roofing and we're going to, we're going to replace another roof. And who knows what, who, who knows what's next? I don't, I don't know, but God's doing something and we're going to be more focused on the people around us than we are on ourselves, And, and that's super, super exciting. There's a lot of things coming down that is going to be exciting to, you know, to, to be about. Acts chapter 20 and verse 24 says this. But my life is worth nothing more to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord. Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Amen. Is that powerful? Or what? A life not lived for others is a, is a life not lived. And listen, this is my closing. I'm going to give a closing statement. Then I'm going to give a closing verse. We're going to pray and we're going to be done. How's that sound? All right. Closing statement. With all of our worries and all of our troubles coming out of last year into this year, I am afraid. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not judging anybody, but I'm afraid that some of the fire that some of the people in our church once had is just a little spark now it's just a little ember like 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 a lot of it has just gone a lot of it's just gone out and i'm just saying this that it's time to fan the flame like you can you can how many have been camping and the the campfire goes out and then it's early in the morning and everything's burned up but if you start messing with the ashes there's a little there's a little red life down in there you add a little bit of newspaper, you add some, some, some kindling, you a little bit of wood, and you get down there, and you're just like, okay, baby, I ain't got no more matches. This is going to have to work. And you're down there, and you're just like, man, I hope nobody's looking. And then all of a sudden, that little spark, that little ember, man, it catches fire. You're like, woo, woo, you're celebrating. I'm telling you, that thing, even though it's almost died out, it can come back. It can come back to life. Let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you real quick. The last thing that Jesus said before he left us, the last thing that he said in this Bible. Okay, you ready? It's the last thing he said. The last thing he says is very important. It's found in the book of Revelation. This is what Jesus said. Yet I hold this against you. Like, like I'm telling you that God will hold against you whenever you're on fire for him and then you let that fire go out. Like if you don't stir it back up, this is very serious. I want you to pay attention. It's just not like he's going to say, oh, come on. I knew 2020 was nuts. Psh, you're forgiven. Psh, no, listen. 
Revelation chapter 2. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far that you have fallen. He, at this point, he's saying, listen, I'm not done with you, but you better pay attention and you better get things, you better get things moving again. You better blow on that ember just a little bit more because your fire is about out and I don't like it. And so he's like, listen, consider how far that you've fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. And if you do not repent, where is it? If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. You don't want to have your lampstand removed. Amen. We don't want to have, come on, what God is doing in this church. Just, you know what I mean? Because we just, we didn't, we didn't give it the attention or the passion that it needed. Amen. And I'm just saying it's time to stir yourself up. Why? Because these are exciting times that we live in, but it's going to require more of you. Amen. Real quick, I need to know just real quick, is there somebody here right now that you don't know? You don't know if Jesus came back, if you would be saved or not. I'm telling you, if you don't know, the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. You ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and your trespasses. And guess what? It says that he is faithful and just to do that for you. He will forgive you. But listen, if you die without knowing him, you will not go to heaven. You won't go to heaven. God wants you to go to heaven. He said, in fact, I go. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I and my father am, that you might be there also. Not everybody goes to heaven. I want to make sure that everybody in this church goes to heaven. And so I'm asking you, if you have not received Jesus Christ by believing who he is and confessing him with your mouth and saying, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I give you my life. You can do that right here, right now. And I'm asking you to make that decision right now. We're going to pray a prayer, all of us collectively together. But if you need to pray that prayer for you, Boldly, you need to raise your hand in the air so that we can pray that prayer together. Is there anybody here that needs to make that decision this morning? Anybody? Don't let this time pass. It may be your last. You have no idea. You may have a lot of other chances, but you may not. So in the event that you need to give Jesus, make him a priority of your life, raise your hand in the air this morning. Everybody's solid. Mr. Tom, thank you, sir. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody just, man, your walk with God hasn't been what it should be. If that's you, awesome in the back. Anybody else? Raise your hand right now. I'm making a commitment to the Lord that as for me and my house, we're going to serve him. We're going to be diligent. Thank you, man. Thank you, young man. Awesome right here, Vern. Thank you. Awesome. Making some decisions this morning. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to pray this morning. I want you to make this prayer your own personal prayer. I'm going to pray fast, but you just say yes. That's what I'm praying for myself. God, I thank you for forgiveness of sins. I thank you for life everlasting. I thank you for an empowered life that comes to those people that surrender to you and to believe in you. God, right now I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I know sin breaks your heart and sin separates me from you. 
And God, please forgive me of my sins, my trespasses. Wash me and make me clean. I know this, God, that as you forgive my sins, you forget about them, meaning that you never bring them up against me again. God, thank you for that. I invite you to be the Lord, the boss of my life. I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to live for you. I want my life to be pleasing. I ask you, Jesus, to not only save me, but be the Lord of my life. I ask you, Lord, right now for a gift, the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, a gift that I can use, come on, to help other people, to encourage other people, a gift that I will be, that I will learn to, to trust in to be obedient in, to share when the timing is right to share so that others might be built up and encouraged. God, use my life to make a difference. I've only got one life and every single day that I have, help me, God, to make a difference and help my life to bring you glory, Lord, to bring you glory, not me glory, you know, not, not me more money, not any of that. I just want my life to matter and count and be pleasing to you. So that whenever I enter into heaven, I transition from this life to the next, I will hear, well done, thou good and thou faithful servant. God, I love you this morning. I personally confess to you, I love you. And I thank you, God, for your mercy. I thank you for your provision. Thank you for life. I live a life that I do not deserve, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody in the house said, amen and amen and amen. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.